Tell you what, your paprika rim is way better than my paprika rim. Um, they all say that. <laughs> Matt, welcome back to episode two. I'm so excited to be here. I am at my limit. Um, I was getting okay with the shelter in place and the quarantine and the pandemic at large. These, and pardon my French, fucking fires are killing me. I'm over it. Yeah, literally. Literally. (laughs) I mean, the whole thing was fine under the premise that I could simply exit the apartment building and step out onto the beach or, or maybe take a walk in the park, you know, maintaining my social distance. But now I can't. Yeah, it's been affecting my mood, man. Not to mention, I'm getting wicked headaches from the smoke that is getting into the house, and we got air filters running all the time. I'm still getting lightheaded. Yeah, um, okay, you know what? Uh, I guess I was feeling uh, off the other day, and I just couldn't um, I couldn't figure it out. Are there, like, air testers for inside? I'm sure there are. Um, but it's definitely affecting me physically as well as emotionally, man. It's not cool. Well, you know what I think we should do then? We should have a drink. And you know what I think we should do? What? As without, so within. Let's put smoke in the drinks. A smoky episode? Smoky episode. If we got to deal with wildfires, we might as well put smoke in the drinks too. And cue music. Matt knows cocktails and Bill <laughs> likes to booze. Matt makes his elixirs and Bill is a stooge. But together they're the greatest team. It's cocktails in quarantine. Um, alright, I have, I have them all arranged in front of me. Great. Where, where do you want to start? I, having tasted all three drinks, which mm-hmm. our listeners will get to enjoy orally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we should start with the drink that I made for you because it oh. is the least smoky. I think we should go uh. from least to most. Yeah, you know, and I think off, that that sounds right to me where I'm going to be on the nose with a topic where you're going to more likely be nuanced. Um, <laughs> nuance is my middle name, Bill. Yeah. All right. Is the what, what am I drinking here? All right. I made a fresh corn infused bourbon. I think I had some Elijah Craig. I just took some fresh yellow corn, sliced it off the cob, stuck it in a mason jar for three or four days, strained, yeah. double strained it. As listeners of the show know, I am not the biggest bourbon fan. You're However, uh, adding fresh corn to bourbon all of a sudden makes it a lot more nuanced. Uh, just fresh, dynamic, alive to me. So I do really like that fresh corn bourbon. Uh, I gave you a little sampler of that. You want to tell the listeners what you think? Oh, hold on. Let me quaff the nose. <laughs> I think that you... might be my least favorite word in the English language. Quaff? Yeah. Or nose? <laughs> no, quaff. <laughs> I'll tell you, so when, when you, you know, for the, for the listeners at home, or for the listener at home, or for Matt, you later, when I send it to you, you listen. <laughs> Matt and I have a system where outside of our doors, we leave mason jars or whatever uh, containers we have and one of them was this small small little container and when I opened it up I guess I hadn't thought or remembered that you had made the, the corn bourbon and I was like I have no idea what this is yep. you can really smell the corn it is such a weird uh, flavor to describe it's not 
I guess fresh is the right word. That's the word that comes to mind for me first. It's neither corn nor sweet, but it's not not corn nor not sweet. Now, yeah. additionally, it's a little uh, it's a little bit creamy. Oh, creamy! Hold on, let me go back here. Fresh, creamy. Yeah, and fresh, it's not creamy. it's not right. sugar sweet, but it does no. have like a sweet kind of vibe to it. And why didn't you like bourbon? The chard was the uh, the oaky. Oh yeah, the tannins. You know mm. when you're putting whiskey into new American oak. It pulls so much tannin out, and it's just abrasive to the tongue. So additionally, uh, besides just the, was it just simple syrup uh, and the bourbon in the old-fashioned? In the drink that I made for you, we have two whiskeys. Oh. We have some brown sugar simple syrup, and I added two bitters, Angostura and Amargo Chuncho. Well, let's take a step back. Is one of the whiskeys in here the corn bourbon? Yes, it is. And Great. Okay. The second one is an American single malt from Santa Fe, New Mexico, which has mesquite smoke. Nice added touch. To it. Yeah. So nice the smoke touch. is really subtle, um, but the mesquite. So I grew up in Roswell, Georgia, and I worked at a barbecue restaurant called The Swallow at the Hollow. And in the summertime, we would get fresh corn from a farmer down the way. And my boss, Paul Doster, would put this corn on the grill, and it just smelled amazing. So I was trying to capture that in a glass. When you said smoke, that was the first thing I went to. And um, the mesquite smoke, to me, is a little bit closer to what we would get on a barbecue grill than a peat smoke would be. So I, I have to laugh when you tell that story. Listening to your process... <laughs> Again, it's like the exact same process that I go through. <laughs> it's 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 um it's almost unsettling how similar we are in our process. Of course, yeah, you, the in the mis, the mesquite in this particular whiskey is is sort of playing off the smoke from the barbecue. Exactly. Well, additionally, uh, what have I rimmed my glass with? That is smoked paprika, and I asked you to only rim half of the glass so you would smell it when you raise the glass to your nose, but you wouldn't necessarily taste it. I, and I did. I followed those directions. Uh, that is what I'm good at. You tell me For to do that. For the listeners at home, Bill sent me a picture, and that was a perfectly half-rimmed glass. Listen, I, I might not be so great at uh, the artistic process, but I can follow instructions and recipes really, really well. What do you want to go to next? I mean, I think I know what you're going to say. Uh, I think the natural progression would be brown. So Bill gave me one brown drink and one green drink. The brown drink, it's a little bit of an experiment mm -hmm. um, having to do with the fact that I remembered you didn't like bourbon. Mm -hmm. I was also missing another ingredient. Mm -hmm. And so what we have here mm. is... Mm -hmm. Oh, you want to guess? Hell yeah, I want to guess. All right, we got some... We got some Demerara simple syrup. We do not. We got some Jamaican rum. Uh, we do. That's crazy. I think that's amazing that you just did that. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why now. That rum was first poured into a mason jar, and then I filled that mason jar with smoke using my Smoke Top cocktail smoker. Mm -hmm. Smoke Top, if you would like to sponsor the show. Please, please do. Um, and then I shook 
I shook the rum, you know, to infuse as best I could, sort of quickly, the smoke into the rum. Mm -hmm. So the, the fact that whatever it is that you can tell about Jamaican rum still came through after mixing it with other ingredients is mind-blowing to me. It's the esters. It's the ester. What the fuck is an ester? Uh, molecularly speaking, an ester is, a, I believe it's a type of acid that contributes flavor. But, okay, now, what I'm like, I'm drinking it from the bottle. What am I looking for? Mm, not all bottles are going to have it, but... No, 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 I mean the flavor. The flavor? Yeah. Well, um, I think the best place to start would be Matt Petrick uh, in his article on Dunder Pits. Well, no, obviously. <laughs> Go on, I'll let you tell the story. I think Matt Petrick's handle is Cocktail Wonk, but his specialty is rum drinks. And he has an article that he wrote when he was invited by someone down to Jamaica to tour a few distilleries, and he focused on the Dunder Pits. Uh, Dunder is the organic matter created when you take all the slop that's left in a still after a distillation run and you just throw it into a pit outside and you let it ferment and all of that fermentation develops acids and then you take that slop and you throw it back into the still when you do your next distillation run and high ester count is a big part of what makes Jamaican rum unique from 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 other islands. It's the, so well, you remember the uh, you you sent me down some clear rum one time because of its funk. Yeah, that was Rum Fire. Same is that the name of a brand or the name of a kind? The Rum Fire is a brand name. Uh, that's the John Crobati. That's the John Crobati right there. What that? What's John Crobati? John Crobati is a man's name, and. This man worked at a distillery, and he would like sneak out with some of the first-run juice and take it to his friends and sell it to them on the down-low. Got it. And so the name John Crobati came to be associated with a certain style of rum that was really high ester. What happens in the Jamaican distilleries that produce high ester rums, they will ship these rums uh, to Europe, to Amsterdam, to companies that use them in perfumes, in chocolate making, things of that nature. Uh, but typically they are blended with a lower ester rum because a human being can't drink that, that many esters without it just like blowing your mind. Literally blowing your mind. So um, high ester rums are typically made for blending. And we're talking like high, high, high ester rums. All right, back to the drink. What do you think is in there? Bill, did you use maple syrup? I did not. All right, well, the sweetener, I get uh, some added flavor components in the sweetener, which is why I first guessed uh, brown sugar syrup or a demerara mm -hmm. syrup. And if it's not maple and it's not brown sugar, what else would it be? I'm guessing that this is a rum old-fashioned that's had the smoke infused. Uh, yeah, I would say that, or, or, or a version of it. There, did you use, uh, 
bitters, cocktail bitters in there? There were no bitters. No in bitters. There. All right. So now I'm stumped. Well, Can you break it down for me? Yes. So we have the Smith and Cross ah, Jamaican you know, rum. I should have. I didn't know that you had Smith and Cross, but this tastes exactly like Smith and Cross. <laughs> I could have just asked uh, you to edit that part out if I guessed wrong. No, that's true. Yeah, you want you want to do it again? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so it's got the Smith and Cross, and then I shook that with the smoke. Mm-hmm. Additionally, it has um, coffee liqueur. I use Saint George. Uh, oh, that's why I get the richness. It has Amaro and Orget. Orget. Orgia. 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 Um, and then usually the, the actual drink would, is usually bourbon instead of rum and vermouth instead of Amaro. I did not have any vermouth, so I went with Amaro. And you would generally rinse it with... Um, you know, a peated scotch for the... It's a coffee and cigarettes is what they call it. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. But, so instead of the peated scotch, I just went with shaking the rum with um, with smoke. I don't I don't hate it, to tell you the truth. Which Amaro did you use in this drink? Ah, uh, you son of a bitch. Hold on, I'll go check. Double. It's called Bobby's Armaro. I got it at 7-Eleven. It is Amaro Montenegro. Oh, yeah. Montenegro is a classic. All right. Great. Great. Well, as you know, I'm quite a connoisseur of Amaro, so I only... uh, Never avant-garde, always classic. I think uh, the viewers at home should know that you (laughs) chronically undersell yourself on this podcast. That's not true. Simply, listen, simply owning a bunch of booze does not make... I am never sitting down here turning to Alicia saying, do you remember that grilled corn we had? (laughs) I'll be right back. It literally never happened. I turn to Alicia and go, do you want a drink? That's it. And if she says, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll move on, but... That sounds like person, interpersonal skills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? All right. All right, on to the green one. I will tell you what, this green one is one of my favorites for uh, a whole bunch of reasons. Maraschino. Yeah. Lime. La Ultima Palabra. La Ultima Palabra. The last word. There, and there is, and the, the, so just for the listeners, it's equal parts uh, sh- uh, green chartreuse, uh, lime juice, um, mezcal, and uh, luxardo. Mm-hmm. I love it because it is super easy to make and remember, right? There's no like, um, there's no measure, you know, one quarter of this yep. and a, none of that, yep. bar, bar spoon of that. Uh, and then additionally, I just like that it's sort of an alternative to a margarita in that way, yeah. where you just you know you want something a little citric, especially when it's so hot out. Yeah, it has been strangely hot outside. Not my favorite kind of hot. 
I can't wait, by the way. Now, you know, the one, two, I mean, it's it's three and a half full drinks here. Yeah. I can't I can't wait to stroll back out into the living room. <laughs> <laughs> saunter, Bill. Totally. I think you will have moved from the strolls to the saunter. Did you drink all those drinks? What? No. Not me. No. I wouldn't do such a thing. All right. Do we have any um, any hope that this smoke is going away? I saw Thursday. Today is Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say, like, Monday or something. Can it rain or? Well, okay. Let's talk for a second about smoked drinks. Yeah. Actually, I'd like to back up. Uh, Phil Ward. I want to give you a little history on Phil Ward. I think... Uh, it's really important for us to celebrate bartenders because being a bartender is a really tough job. So, wait, who the fuck is Phil Ward? Phil Ward started his career at Julie Reiner's um, high volume bar. <laughs> ah, what was Julie Reiner's high volume bar called? Google it. I'll Google I'm, it. I am Googling it right now. Me too. <laughs> Thunder. Flatiron Lounge. So, Phil Ward started as a barback at Flatiron Lounge. He was a... He was unkempt. He was also a savant. And after Julie heard him repeat the spec of a drink enough times to another bartender, she said, look, you need to cut your hair, and you need to present yourself well, and I will make you a bartender here. Phil Ward went on to join Death & Company. He was the... Uh, kind of uh, ringleader at Death and Company, and that was when Death and Company first opened. The craft cocktail movement was exploding, and they would mix like 21-year Japanese malts into a cocktail just because it tasted better than mixing an 18-year Japanese malt into a cocktail. Um, his great contribution came from the fact that the Del Mage company flew him down to Mexico, introduced him to all of these mezcal producers, and he had such a strong personality and such a my way or the highway attitude that he started putting mezcal in front of people whether they liked it or not. The drink that was the tipping point for him was the Oaxacan Old Fashioned. He developed that at Death and Company, and then he took it to his bar, Mayahuel, which sadly has been closed, although I got to go uh, before it did close. The Oaxacan Old Fashioned is a tequila old fashioned with mezcal. It's like a split base old fashioned with mezcal. Uh, it's delicious. Uh, but well, and so Ward, you're saying, really helped push uh, sort of the cocktail scene. He did help push the cocktail scene, but specifically, especially uh, when we talk mezcal. about mezcal. Yeah, you know, it reminds me a little bit of um, the Peju Club championing yeah. sort of gin yeah. back before it had achieved yeah, with widespread acceptance. <laughs> yeah, um, and Phil Ward worked with people who had been Audrey Saunders' disciples at Pegu Club when he was at Death and Company. So those crews were all very tightly knit. And, you know, from what I understand, after he opened his bar, the ensuing eight years of its existence would see the agave category rise so rapidly that worldwide shortages of both tequila and mezcal became an issue. Which was said to be a threat to the category overall because people were worried 
that um, agave cultivation practices would change direction in a way that threatened the longevity of the species. Uh, do you know how I know that tidbit, Matt? How do you know that tidbit? There is a website you should check out called Letters and Liquor. I've never heard com. of it, but that sounds like a great name for a website. It's great. It's uh, this guy. Uh, I think he's a San Francisco guy. San Francisco. I hope he's dealing yep. well with the smoke. <laughs> he's got, well, we can probably all find his contact information. <laughs> anyway, he's got, he's got a website. It's all about um, uh, sort of like uh, different letters and fonts. I think he's into like ad, uh, advertising. Uh, and then uh, he's got 50 or so, 50 or 60 cocktails that he walks right through. Here, hold on. Uh, let's see here. Let me find the about page. Ba, 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 ba. Would it be 52 cocktails, one for every oh, week you know of it? the year? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see here. Ba, ba. Hi, I'm Matthew. I'm a graphic. Dude, this is fucking you. Ah. <laughs> Finally, my SEO is starting to kick in. I'll tell you what, that's true. The way I, that wasn't me, <laughs> like, I literally typed in uh, Phil Ward and was just looking at pictures, and all of a sudden I saw Oaxacan Old Fashioned. Yep. And I was, I knew what was what. Yeah. I'll tell you, I just Googled Phil Ward, not, it, well, I guess you know what, he looks exactly like I expected, now that we Disheveled. say it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just like, a, like, yep, a dude that would be hanging out with us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except a real pain in the ass. Cocktails that are fancy Jump on tables and be dancy I don't believe in things like heaven or hell This purgatory, it's treating me well Die, 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 die
could be better than this. Fancy cocktails, fancy cocktails, fancy cocktails. Best. I have this on the facts. <laughs>